Dave! Oh, yeah, well, sorry. Sorry, a bit tired. Oh, have you just tired. woken up from an incredibly good night's sleep on a natural mat mattress? Uh, I haven't. I've been doing this blinking podcast with you, but that's exactly the sort of thing I should like to have just been woken up off of, because natural mat oh, are an organic mattress and bed brand based in Devon. It's been going for over 20 years now with sustainability at the heart of the business and they've done things like won the Queen's Award for Sustainable Development a couple of years ago. Oh, Superb. How about that? Superb, yeah. Uh, so they say the majority of the raw materials they use come from natural, renewable sources and they use organic, certified organic lamb's wool which is sourced directly from farmers in the southwest of the UK. So how about that in your mattress? One of the things they're doing is a mattress for life initiative. You will like this, Ol. It is a circular mattress service. Hang on, that's what Peter Stringfellow... No, silly, not circular in that way. Oh, it's like right. you buy a mattress from Natural Mat, and when you're done with it, when it's reached the end of its springiness, I'm sure we all know what that means, <laughs> um, you can get them to take it away, and if they can repair it, they'll repair it. If not, they'll give you a new one and recycle the old one. So that's pretty cool. Now, if you want to buy one of these lovely Natural Mat mattresses, or indeed beds, toppers or bedding, uh, you can get 15% off by virtue of being a Babbel listener. Go to naturalmat.co.uk and enter the code BABBLE15 at checkout, B-A-B-B-L-E-1-5, and you'll get your 15% off. This also applies in-store, uh, and you can go to their showrooms either in Topsham in Devon uh, or in Chiswick in West London, and you get the same 15% off. Sustainable 246. Look at yourself, Alt. Sustainable 246. We are Sustainable. We are your weekly environment podcast all about people and the planet and why, despite everything being slimy muck, we can still have a little chuckle about it every now and then. Yes? Absolutely. And, Ol, what are we going to be having a ferret around in today? Well, Dave, I see you, baby, shaking that sea grass uh-huh. uh huh <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna be uh, you weren't shaking your ass but i kind of imagined you were uh Not we're enough room ta- in this babble cave for that son <laughs> we're going to be talking about seaweed dave mm. christ we need we need help we need kelp kelp i need somebody uh to show <laughs> me the the merits of the green green seagrass of home um, and we're going we're gonna to establish what is the story, or, or even the nori, if you're a Japanese seagrass um, aficionado, morning glory. Um, and, and I will, I'll be there for you to tell you all about seagrass, <laughs> seaweed, and all things related. That's all I've got. Can you stop me, please, for my own sake and yours? Yeah, I certainly can. Consider yourself stopped for a good minute or so, if that's all right. Yep. Good. Uh, 
Yes, we're going to talk about seaweed. Yet another one in Dave and Ol's increasingly shameful list of things we have not talked about, despite banging on this here podcast for now over seven years. So we thought it was about time we looked at a thing. What has been in the news for flippant reasons and serious ones? And say, what's going on there then with this stuff? What is in the water? What some people have on their sandwiches? What some other people are using to save the planet with? Ol. Yes, uh, and... I mean, it's to be vaguely serious, we're going to talk about whether it is like green Jesus, because a lot of people think it is basically the way to uh, power stuff without burning fossil fuels, to feed people without eating animals, uh, to like clean up the oceans and stuff. So we're like, whoa, is this, is this green Jesus or is this just green Dave Benson Phillips goo? That's, that's a niche reference. Anyone from America, I'm sorry. That won't make any sense. Just the usual disclaimers. We do work for environmental charities, don't we all? Yep. But these are very much our own views. So if anything that you hear makes you go, oh, that's a ghastly opinion. Nice. Um, I nice. am Carrageenan as mustard to uh, complain to David Earl's bosses. Don't complain to our bosses. Uh, just complain to us directly. Yes. Yes. And we are a listener-funded podcast, so if you like what you hear, or even if you don't and you just wish to repay some love, please go to wobblywobblywobbly.patreon.com slash sustainababble where you can chuck in the price of a pint and help Dave and I'll keep this show on the road. Yes? Yes, please do that. We love you, those of you who do it, uh, and are eternally grateful. Right. Stop being a creep. Let's get on with it. Anti-Inhoff of the week. Now, Dave, Anti-Inhoff time. Anti-Inhoffs are, of course, the good people, or in this case, things uh, that are not like Senator James Inhoff, who is awful and thinks climate change isn't real and we named a section after him. Blah, 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 Oi, blah, blah. Howard, Howard, have you managed to get Senator James Inhoff to come on our babble yet? Could you get on with it, please? Uh, not sure how long he's going to be a senator for. Thank you. Yeah, Howard's been uncharacteristically quiet on this front. I was genuinely expecting a little brown envelope to emerge at Babel Towers <laughs> with like a couple of grainy long distance photographs and a set of keys to his back door. Oh, 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 I had a dream last night that Donald Trump was my daddy. Gosh. It'll start getting cooler. I you wish. Just, you just watch. I wish science agreed with you. <laughs> Well, I don't think science knows, actually. Now, look, enough of your terrifying dreams uh, and Mm. escalating psychotherapy bills. Uh, We are going to talk about this there seaweed because Mm. it's a big deal. Now, it's a big deal not for the reasons that we initially first thought in terms of why it's topical. The reason it's topical, uh, <laughs> which is the thing you stuck in a prep doc, which immediately... I was feeling fragile today anyway, Dave. Just one of those days where my limits yes, were not sorry. very uh, permeable, impermeable, rather. And, um, and then I read this, which was an article about how governments are being urged to plan for, I think it's a low light scenario. So basically when a massive volcano, you know, blocks out the light from the sun or slightly more realistically, nuclear war kind of ruins everything. And they're saying, don't worry, we'll be able to cope with that because first of all, we'll mass cull every single animal that's that's here. Uh, and then uh, that'll buy us a bit of time in which we can plant seaweed and that will be fine. It's all I don't want it to affect your performance. It's not right. going to affect my right. performance. Don't That's worry about it, all right? Okay. Just hate it. Really yes, hard. because, and we shall come to this, um, 
the the essence of the point being well their point actually is firstly like people don't spend enough time actually thinking about what we would do in practice if everything was wiped out which is an interesting organizational mission i must say to think about that yeah um so uh it's worth having a look i think they're called the alliance to feed the earth in the event of disaster or something like that all fed anyway um but also because if you were going to absolutely very quickly come up with some sort of superfood that you could grow to feed the world seaweed would be it and that is a point we're going to talk about later. Now, other reasons that people in greeny world get very excited about seaweed, which we will come on to. Because they're massive losers. Because exactly, because they're so sad. This is the thing that people like me and you get excited about. Mm. And that's why there's only about 20 of us in the world. (laughs) God. Anyway. Well, never mind that. That was a bit rich coming from Captain Deposit Recycling scheme I know I'm not there. I'm not saying I'm exciting or you Oh know. you know what we need Dove we don't never mind revolution we need deposit return schemes you know what that is it's like a vending machine in reverse they have them in Norway but for some reason we don't have them over here guys Dave anyone anyone guys are you done mm. okay good thank you as I was saying yes people by which I mean sad bastards like me and you, get excited about seaweed because uh, it is very, very good at soaking up that there carbon. It has been doing it for millions of years in the yes. oceans. <laughs> yes. Um, this isn't like a new invention of, of us. And we'll, we'll come on to all of that actually as well because I think that's a point you want to make quite strongly. Um, mm. But anyway, it has been very good at soaking up carbon um, out of the oceans uh, for a long time and more of it therefore is good as long as you can find a way to like not let it rot again so farming it is yes. a good idea uh, and everyone's always banging on and we've banged on on here a lot about the need to plant trees and stuff but i tell you what uh seaweed grows a lot faster than trees you can soak up carbon a lot quicker than trees so it's interesting and uh we're struck by the fact that people don't say let's put Seaweed everywhere, kelp everywhere, as much. What about other stuff, Dave? Why is seaweed green Jesus? Why do people think seaweed is green Jesus? Well, spoilers, but we will cancel through these. Um, good for fishes, what live in them, like kind of incubate fishes, incubate stuff what lives in the sea. Little nurseries, um, aren't they? Sort of little places for little nurseries. things for hide, to hide before the sharks eat them. Like that little Nemo. You remember that Nemo? Nemo hung out in the seaweed. Okay. You live in what kind of home? In an Yeah, absorbs bad stuff. So like bad things in the sea get absorbed, like agricultural runoff and those sort of things. Um, And of course you can eat it. And in the eating of it, not only are you... You know, making use of a thing that is good for all that other stuff, but you are giving yourselves all sorts of nice yum-yums because it is full of nice yum-yums all. So that's why it's good. I have to say, though, before I looked into seaweed, uh, and you're about to get seaweed quiz, so I hope you are braced for seaweed quiz. Um, before I looked into seaweed, the immediate thing I thought was, I was in uh, that Orkney Islands a few weeks ago, finding myself singing Kumbaya and running naked around some rocks. Um, and every time I went on to it's a like beach... You're a public menace. Like you, well, you paint it as like some lovely hippy dippy <laughs> spiritual experience, but you're a menace. There is a very fine line between being a hippie and being a public menace. I'll there are laws well, against you know. people like you. There aren't laws against singing kumbaya yet, are they? I think Pretty Patel's on the case, actually. Yeah, watch. <laughs> By the time this is published, I bet there bloody will be. 
Um, anyway, I was in that Orkney, and every time I went onto a beach, I thought, wow, this looks lovely, and it absolutely stinks. Um, absolutely smells of rotting seaweed to the extent that like I couldn't ever really sit on one of their beaches and have my dinner because um, stink yeah but do you know what I think about when I think seaweed what I think uh, Chinese takeaways from my childhood every single takeaway I had from the Ooh. local Chinese up the road I didn't really like most of the things that my mum and dad got apart from the seaweed so I would just have I don't know how you measure it, but pots and pots of dried seaweed. I think I think I used to have like ground up scallop on top, which is possibly not great, but uh, tasty as all hell. <laughs> I love the fiction you are trying to you're trying to make me believe that your parents had Chinese takeaways when you were a child. Oh, hello, yes, yes, hello. It's family all here. Have you got? Are you able to stir fry any caviar at all? Oi, oi, talking of caviar, uh, Welsh famous actor, Tim Burton. Do I mean Tim Burton? No. No. Other person. <laughs> Richard you... Burton. Who? Richard Burton. Richard, that's the one. Uh, <laughs> he uh, he describes um, lava bread, which is not bread and not made of lava, uh, but is kind of seaweed related, as Welsh caviar. There you go. So it is, it is a delicacy. That's the spurious link. Um, but apparently the English don't like it. We're going to come to that. Let's get on with Seaweed Quiz. Right. Seaweed Quiz. Oh, now before you get Seaweed Quiz, here's a thing that I couldn't really hide in Seaweed Quiz because I'm pretty sure the second you did your own research into seaweed, you would have found this out. There is no such thing as seaweed. Oh, what do you think about that? There is. We're talking about it. Well, yes, but what are we talking about? What is it? What unites this stuff? Wiggly, green, slimy, lives underwater. Right, but that biologically, taxonomically John, speaking... No, that's John Redwood, isn't it? Um, <laughs> taxonomically speaking, that doesn't do... Oh, um, most seaweeds... <laughs> I, think, I think by now you know not to come to me for taxonomy. Or indeed any onomy, really. Orology or ism. Look, large disclaimer for everything that follows. Um, Ol and I are, are not any sort of onomists. We're not taxonomists, bionomists, uh, economists, or indeed expert onomists. We're not really anything. Stuff about seaweed. You know how Wikipedia, when, when we did that Bitcoin episode, and we went to Wikipedia and we were like, right, we're going to go on here and find out about Bitcoin, right? And everything was going fine until the second sentence, <laughs> yeah. at, at which point it went unfine and I didn't understand it. It's kind of like that with seaweed, really, because mm. like very quickly it goes uh, there's no definition of a seaweed fine okay they are mostly macroalgae um and stuff yeah so as ever wikipedia kind of defined it by saying what it wasn't so it's right. like it's not microalgae i.e like phytoplankton and all of that stuff it's macroalgae it's like, big ones right yes so big plankton well, it's not really you know, not big plankton but just big stuff well, some, some of it is big plankton big yeah. stuff that grows in the sea yeah, um, not plants. Not, not importantly, a plant. Yes. a plant. Mostly. Some things, and this is why, you know, what is seaweeds? A seagrass is a plant, which is often called a seaweed, but most things that are often called seaweeds are not plants. They are algae. Oh. Also, what, how did it get the weed bit? Because, like, you know, a weed is 
kind of known as a plant in the wrong place, right? It's it's what gardeners call things that they don't want to be growing but are growing. Oh. But it's just it's just a plant. How on earth did seaweed get that? Like which gardeners know. were trying to grow their petunias, whatever they're called, in the ocean and were like bloody kelp all over the place. Why can't can't get my tulips to grow and it's all the kelp's fault. Strange name. Uh, don't know. If you know more about seaweed, if you do, you're already annoyed at us. Sorry. Uh, drop us an email and let us know. Like when we did that Bitcoin episode, we got emails after that with some very patient people saying, you absolute f***ing <laughs> no, that, no, that isn't what they were saying. Um, but I, yeah, I enjoy it because it's an opportunity for us to learn. Um, yes. And even though arguably, gross. you know, people giving up their time to listen to a podcast might think that is the opportunity to learn. No, no. <laughs> the opportunity to learn comes for us and after you've listened to the podcast. Um, the, the other thing I did learn uh, was that not all seaweed is um, sort of wibbly and slimy and, uh, and flimsy. Um, some red seaweed, which, if I've remembered this right, absorbs a lot of lime scale or lime, I guess, uh, becomes like hard and rocky. And uh, it's mm. like really, yes, yeah, so some red, red rocky seaweed, which is strange. There you go. Yeah. So you can you can use it to smack people on the bottom with. I, I so presume about, so. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Right. Question number one: seaweed quiz. So we have just established, forgive the lengthy preamble, that most that things wasn't that a are question. called. No, that wasn't a question. I give you the answer. We have we have established. Therefore, question one: we have established that most things called seaweed are not plants. Although it all seems very technical and borderline to me. Anyway, I'll give me two reasons you can tell that most things that are seaweeds are not plants. Uh, they don't have flowers. Not on my list. I'm not saying it's not the case, but okay. I don't think all plants have flowers. Um, they're not. Are they? Are they attached? They don't have roots. Correct. Yeah. They don't have roots. Again, I say in general. It may be that some do because of taxonomic reasons. But yeah, they instead they anchor themselves. They do what is called hold fasting to something like the bottom of the seabed or a buoy or B U O Y or something <laughs> like that or a buoy as they call them in America. Um, and they they don't grow by like stuff coming through their roots. They grow by absorbing nutrients from the sea. Um, okay. Or, Oh, well, that yeah, answers one of my other questions then, because uh, there uh, was a bit where you... You don't get questions. No, no. Well, you I get, had a question that answers. came up in my in my head uh, where you were saying that the storing carbon bit is only good if they're whipped out of the ocean before they start rotting down. And I said, oh, hang on a minute. But, you know, there are lots of, on you know, on terra firma uh, stuff that stores carbon then, like, shoves it down into the ground and before the plant withers away. Surely the same thing happens with seaweed. But that makes sense now. If they're just anchored to the ground and not shoving stuff into the seabed, I get it. Well done, me. Very good. Um, and the other thing, just to, because you're not going to get this, is they grow in salt water, which most plants don't. So a thing, a, a thing that looks like a plant growing in salt water is probably not a plant. Got it. Okay. I'm going to have to science the shit out of this. Um, right. Uh, question number two. How many species of seaweed, roughly, are there in the world? In the world? Oh. Mm. Roughly. 2,000. Yeah, I mean, the, the answer is no one knows. <laughs> you dick. 
<laughs> but but uh, but but according to something, I think is Wikipedia, most likely several thousand. But there is, you know, as discussed, right, there's no clear. That's a really, really good, good answer. answer. Yeah, I know. But the point is, like, no, since no one really knows what one is, and the definition of it appears to be written on the back of a postage stamp in seaweed, then I don't think you should get too. No one really knows. A couple of thousand, yes, all right. Then or maybe one, depending how you define it. Uh, no, I think that's a good answer. There, there are. I read that there are 650 species of edible seaweed on the UK coast. Uh, so that, you know, suggests there's quite a lot around the world. Because I'm led to believe that the world is more than just the UK. So, you know, could be bigger. Brexit means Brexit means Brexit means... British seaweed for British people. Now, on the subject of what you just said... What percentage of the world's seaweed is edible? Ooh, I reckon it's high. I reckon it is a high percentage. Uh, I'm going for 90%. Higher. 95%. Higher. 99%. Higher. 102%. Lower. <laughs> 100%. Yes. Now, this very important disclaimer is a thing that I read on the internet. <laughs> and it said that technically you can eat all seaweed. Like, none of it is inedible to the point, like, it won't kill you. Now, please, in the name of all things holy, do not take my word for that. That is the thing I read on the internet. But that thing on the internet said it's all edible. You might not like it very much. You could potentially have the shits, but it's all edible. Oh. A bit like grass. Like you can eat right. you could eat grass as uh Baby Oil proudly did in front of me the other day. Mm. Uh and I don't think um it's a very good idea. But you know, he's still here. I mentioned in the preamble to Seaweed Quiz that I was up in that Orkney Islands and when I went to the beach, the beach smelled of rotten seaweed. Yes? And do you know the smell I mean? Can you yeah, I do. It? I do you, know the smell. Yeah. Um, so the question is, was my health in danger? What do you mean? When I was on the beach next to the rotting seaweed, was my health in danger? No, you just repeated it there, but what do you, what do you mean? Do you mean was, was, in... the, was the smell itself likely to cause you harm? When I was in Orkney <sighs> on the beach and I was stood right next to some rotting seaweed that smelled, was my health in danger? Imagine what it must be like living with you. I'm just trying, to, just trying to get a straight answer out of you. Like I've given you... Do I'm, you want toast question or is... not? Well, I think you need to consider this from the macroeconomic perspective of... It's not about macroeconomics. There's a question that is very carefully worded. Was my health in danger when I was stood next to the I seaweed? I don't what know. Was your health in danger? It's a quiz! You tell me. I don't know your full medical history. Probably it was because, I don't know, you'd probably only eaten beer for seven days. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't yes. know. Was your health in danger? Yes. Yes, yes it was. Oh. Yes, Why? it was. Because the stinky thing that you could smell is hydrogen sulfide, which is a highly toxic gas. Now, I think, now the point being that that highly toxic gas, I'm going to come to this in part B of this question, um, is a massive problem in places where you get massive amounts of seaweed. Oh, um, 
Ooh, what is what is the world's largest continuous belt of seaweed? Uh, natural or farmed? Natural. Okay. Well, naturalish. Well, I'm guessing because the North Atlantic is a thing that came up a lot in the stuff I was reading. So, like, East Coast of America, West Coast of Europe, uh, and also China. And everything's bigger in China. Somewhere in China. The correct answer is 8,850 kilometres long. You didn't ask me how long it was. You said, what is it? Well, OK. It is the Atlantic Sargassum Belt, which runs from the Gulf of Mexico to West Africa. It's so all the way across oh, whoa. the middle no way. of the Atlantic. I'm looking yep. at a map. I have a big map of the world up behind my computer these days. Yep. Uh, yep. So all the way but, like, across the Caribbean. That is a long way. That's a long way from West Africa all the way across the Caribbean, all the way to the Gulf of Mexico. Um, and where it's washing up, in, in particular, like in West African beaches and in Caribbean beaches and stuff, it really stinks. There's loads and loads and loads and loads of it. Gives off this horrid gas, which is actually thought to be bad for people because it's like rotting sort of en masse. And it stops turtles nesting and stuff. And it's getting worse for all sorts of reasons, but one of which being more agricultural fertiliser being washed off the land, mm. which is causing this stuff to grow. So there you are, Roll. How about that? Wow. So not only is that agricultural fertiliser causing dead zones, because there's huge dead zones like I think it is in the Gulf of Mexico, isn't it? The sort of, you know, around the south. Anyway, uh, you see these big satellite images of like massive dead zones. What the Jesus have you just put in the prep talk? Coming to that, it's your next question. Anyway, Good God, man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so that's bad. And then uh, the flip side is that all of those nutrients where they're not creating massive dead zones are creating super sort of demon mutant kelp, which is. Um, making people sick. Great. So the last question, all in Seaweed Quiz is, and you've spoiled this a little bit, see that picture I've just put into your, into the prep doc? Yeah. What is that? Maybe you could describe it to the Babel listeners. Uh, well, it looks like a, a small, very dark green sort of cow pat is what it looks like um oh and two bits of toast next to it cut into soldiers so i think that is probably well it's obviously seaweed of some description um is is that is that lava bread that's all is lava bread. Yeah, that is what it, it be. looks like. That now, looks exactly like the sort of thing that your people would eat. <laughs> My people. Yeah, uh, uh, yes. You mean the Welsh. I mean the Welsh. The lovely, the lovely Welsh. Yes. It is an horrible looking thing. And no I think I've answered... sing so much? Because once you've got that in your gob, you need to just try and rapidly get all molecules of anything out of your body. And just singing continuously, presumably, helps that happen. Don't yes, send lessons. I don't, I don't mean any of this. It is a gelatinous paste that is made from boiled seaweed, oh. um, which can either be eaten as a lump, and indeed there you see a lump, or it can be rolled in oatmeal and kind of you know, eaten, I guess, like a sort of weird seaweed haggis. And it's answered the question that I never knew I'd ask myself, but it turns out I had, which is how much like a pile of snot and slugs 
does something have to look before it is completely irrelevant for me how nice it looks? <laughs> and to which the answer is definitely that much like a pile of snot and slugs. That is not going in my gob, looking like that. Right, hello, Dave here, and I'm whispering so that Ol doesn't hear me. But what I've done is snuck into this episode of Babel just to give a little plug to my other podcast, Your Brain on Climate. It's all about human brains and how they work and don't work and how they think about the world and how what they think about the world is part of the climate crisis and how understanding the climate crisis means understanding human brains and how they work. And we come at things sideways, so we look at things you might think have nothing to do with climate change at all. But when you unpick it all, everything does. It's called Your Brain on Climate. It's available the same place you found the babble. I hope you like it. Please have a listen. Don't tell on I'm here. Oh, he's coming. Okay, bye. Your Brain on Climate. Right. Good. Well done for getting whatever you got on Seaweed Quiz. Think you did all right on Seaweed Quiz? Thank you. Did all right? Yeah, very good. Uh, Some other facts about seaweed that are not in Seaweed Quiz. So we've alluded to some of these. Just uh, we've talked about the fact that seaweed is not a thing. Um, What is one of the things that is knackering kelp forests? What are nurseries for fish? Uh, Oh, this is a thing I think I know. Um, The sea anemones. Too many of them. What? Sea anemones? Yeah, I'm fairly sure. I've, yeah, because this is a thing where, like, because all of the sea otters were, like, hunted and stuff. Sea otters? Yeah. And sea otters are one of the few things that gobble up sea anemones. And when the otters are gone, the anemones just run riot. This is a particularly a problem in America. Uh, big kelp forests where all the kelp is just sort of noshed off at the bottom. Not noshed off. That's something different. Um, uh, uh, eaten. Eaten. Farewell, British Podcast Award. It's nice <laughs> having you listening. Uh, eaten by uh, the sea anemones and then floats up to the top and it's all, yeah, bad. So sea anemones, bad, uh, but obviously they're not inherently bad. It's just that the ecosystem is out of whack. Um, so it's yes, not their yes, fault. Yes, yeah. yes, oh, 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 yes, 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 yes. Do you think that the sea otter's problem is that they can't tell the fronds from their anemones? That, that is quite good. Yes. But I like the idea that you think me making a accidental innuendo is the reason we're not going to get the British Podcast Award <laughs> and your jokes is apparently fine. Yeah, uh, well, I was actually thinking of bottom trawling. Oh, I don't mean I was Stop thinking it. of bottom trawling <laughs> when I finished this podcast. No, what I meant is uh, that is episode 203 of Sustainable, we talked about bottom trawling. Well, I didn't because he had COVID. I've done it by myself, um, which is a thing that dredges um, the bottom of the sea and pulls up things like kelp forests and knackers fish nurseries, obviously, enough. from Yeah, well, it kind of knackers, knackers everything, everything, doesn't it? Yeah. Bottom trawling it is bad, bad, bad and uh Stop it. If you're a bottom trawler listening to the babble... Stop it. I'm quite surprised you're listening to the babble, um, but don't do it anymore. Go and do normal fishing or less. Just a phenomenally useful thing, 
seaweed. Like, I can't think, maybe, maybe I suppose, wood and trees, but like, I can't think of many things, what grow in nature, what humans use for such a phenomenal array of stuff, leaving aside eating it, which is a thing that is, you know, massively done, particularly in Asia. But leaving that aside, like, it's in paper coatings, it's in adhesives, in dyes, in explosives, in toothpaste. They use it, toothpaste, cosmetics, paints. There's things that you may not realise are seaweed that are like preservatives in food, like a thing called carrageenan, carrageenan, don't know how you pronounce it, but yeah, carrageenan. And it's used for like binding things together, isn't it? Because it's obviously all like, it soaks up loads of water, it gets all bindy. Yeah, proper sort of... Agar, that's another one. You see agar in something. Agar is like used as a thing. Um, so oh, is that what agar yeah. is? Yeah, agar is, uh, it's a, often used as a clarifying agent in beer. So we don't, you know, no beer without... Sometimes food. you're a clarifying agent on the babble. I say something which doesn't make any sense and you are my clarifying agent. I'm going to call Thank you, you agar much. from now on. I think the people in this country have had enough of experts. You said that it sucks up all of the bad things, absorbs all of the bad things in the ocean. Well, not all the bad things, but a fair, fair few lots a lot of, of them, bad yeah. things, yes. yes. Don't, is this going to be a question I'm not going to know the answer to? If the seaweed has sucked up ammonia and phosphate and iron and copper and stuff and then i eat that seaweed mm. doesn't that mean i'm eating all of the ammonia and phosphate and iron and copper and stuff yeah i should think so but you need quite a lot of those things don't you you certainly need iron do i need ammonia i don't know that because they did some study whereby uh i can't remember what type of seaweed but it was sort of soaking up radioactive stuff near, I think it was Sellafield. So mm. do I want to eat that? You tell me. Do you want to eat seaweed that's come from near Sellafield? No. There you are, then answer the... your own question. Yes, okay. So is it... I don't know what you want to eat. You eat all sorts of shit. Go back and listen to our episode on food waste and you told me that nothing in the world means you don't throw food out when it's past its sell-by date. You will eat it no matter what. Even when it's fighting you back, you'll still eat it. <laughs> that is a good question. It is one of the many things about seaweed to which I don't know the answer. I had enough hassle trying to get my head around what I think is the case with carbon and climate change and seaweed and stuff, right? So here are some things that I think I have gleaned, but you tell me if you think this is wrong and for God's sake, get your emails ready and tell me what's wrong about it, right? You can get carbon absorbed from the atmosphere, well, from not, you know, from the world, 50 times faster through seaweed than through forests on land because of how fast it grows, like per thing, whatever. So it's like per, per thing, it's much... Um, don't ask, I don't know, per thing. It's 50 times, it says here, <laughs> coastal marine systems, shut up and listen, can absorb carbon 50 times greater than forests on land. I enjoy right? how my my eyebrows alone can induce a sense of panic in your voice. <laughs> so is that clear? Good. Um, Oi, and there no, are... look, look, look. <laughs> I don't know. No, hang on, shut up. What? Um, yes, I think that is fairly straightforward science, that if a thing grows very, very quickly, mm. it's absorbing more carbon than the thing that's growing slowly. Right. I think that's straightforward. So okay. like the giant kelp, there is a species of giant kelp which gets to about 50 metres long or something and will grow up to a metre a day. Oh, kelp surprise. <sighs> how many, just so I know, how many more of these am, am I to expect? You'll see. 
Okay. Um, so yes, I I think you're a fairly um, secure ground there. I think you've anchored to the seabed of logic, and nice. um, <laughs> you are uh, you are spouting the truth. Um, Have we said that it can grow like some sorts of kelp can grow a meter a day? That is literally what I just said. You absolute dick. I was too busy Usually worrying. Usually you're good at giving the impression that I listen. I said that about 15 seconds ago. I said I said that. That's what I said. You know the thing you just said? That's what I said before. Loudly. I was too busy thinking about the kelp pun. You have my undivided attention. The thing that I think I've got to the bottom of is that uh, it is a good thing for carbon emissions if you plant loads of kelp, but it does depend what happens to that kelp next. And this is the bit I couldn't quite work this out, and I ran out of time to get to the very, very bottom of it. But if you just get loads of kelp and it absorbs carbon, right, and it's in the sea and it just dies and drops a couple of metres and dies and decomposes, then all that carbon just goes back into the ocean and comes out again right? So I think the trick is if you want it to absorb carbon and like have it as a sort of active carbon removal thing, as opposed to just being part of the carbon cycle, what you want to do is get that kelp like to fall way down low into the sea. Like I think they say over a thousand meters low yeah, to kind of that's... actively sink it low, yeah. low, because when it's down there, it's too low down to enter the carbon cycle again. So it just stays way down low, I think. Yes. And there are some fairly crazy sounding schemes afoot. Mm. To sort of do the equivalent of uh, what's it called, carbon capture and storage Se- on, yeah, on the land, yeah. where sequestration. You, you bung it in. What is it? You gaffer tape it in big pipes under the ground, basically. Yeah. And yeah. sort of the equivalent here. So people are talking about growing massive amounts of farmed seaweed. That is, you know, not not wild stuff, uh, and then sinking it. And they're, they're like, oh, maybe we could do um, boys, as in. Buoys, buoys, buoys um, that sort of decompose over the length of time it takes for the seaweed to grow big enough, and then the seaweed will be too heavy, and it will drag it all down to the bottom and stuff like that. Uh, as with all kind of slightly crazy carbon sequestration technologies and stuff like that, completely unproven and a bit crazy, uh, and you know, yeah, watch this space. Yeah, I guess. or you can uh, eat it. Or do something oh, else yeah. <laughs> with it. So the other thing you can do with it is like hoik it out. Once it's grown and absorbed that carbon, you can uh, eat it. Or there are there are other ways. Like you can take the stuff that you have harvested and you can decompose it yourself and capture the CO two that comes off when you decompose it and like put that in a gaffer tape in a hole in the ground rather than sinking it. That's the thing you can do. Right. And also, uh, yeah. also in the process of decomposing it, you create a kind of biogas, don't you? That yeah, right, so, which, which you can burn, then, which yes. doesn't have yeah. CO two. Uh, as a result of the burning thereof. Yes. Yes? Yeah. So that's another reason that people are excited about it as a kind of potential biogas, therefore, you know, source of fuel for moving us around. Uh, And the other thing which we haven't really talked about is plastics as well, or like bioplastics. So there's a lot of new-ish businesses, startups and stuff who are saying, okay, maybe we can solve the plastic crisis by making all of our plastics out of bioplastics derived from Seaweed, uh, the only slight problem being that when it gets wet, it goes squidgy. So you need to do something clever and chemical um, to it. But I think I genuinely think there's quite a lot of promise there. Uh, 
But anyway, I mean, basically, like all that, all that notwithstanding, it seems to me, am I right about this, that if you've got more seaweed every year than there was before, that that seaweed is net absorbing carbon. Even if that seaweed is like dying, but as long as there is more overall seaweed every year, that is absorbing carbon. That's a net increase in carbon. Yes? I think so. So like, it can't, got to be, right? I think so. Like, I, yeah, I can never quite get my head around that. Like, obviously, left to its own devices, the natural world would have a balance of this stuff, and right. presumably, there's less of it now because of like humans and stuff. Yeah. So surely, more would be good, even if that more would ultimately be rotting down. You would. Think. Does it? Does it matter how long? Maybe the speed of all of this is relevant here because, like, with trees. Yes, ultimately those trees are going to rot down and turn to methane and release it all, but we're talking hundreds of years and therefore, for climate That's, reasons, yes, them growing over the next 50, 100 years is very good. So is that, yes. is that relevant that, that's here? The, that's the difference. Whereas if, if you want seaweed to do that, you need to be trying to stop it doing the decomposing bit. That's the, that's the point. But, but still, it seems to me that if it's decomposing, but the end result of it decomposing is there's like, at the end of the day, more seaweed than there was it feels like a good thing. It feels like it feels like a good thing. Someone That's tell us thing, why right? that isn't a good thing because I can't. It is a good thing. No, it is a good thing. Yeah, I think. Okay, isn't it? I think sounds so. like a good thing. Things that sound like good things are always good things. <laughs> uh, but I, you know, before we move off the climate change thing, climate change is nausing seaweed. That's another thing that's happening. So, ninety-five percent of Tasmania's kelp seaweed forests have been wiped out in the last century, Super. including due to warmer waters and acidification um, of of climate change. Oh, super. Oh, that's good. So we'll kill all the seaweed before the seaweed has a chance to save us, is what you're saying. But the other thing I wanted just to talk about was about what lovely Yum Yums is mm. in it, right? Because it is a very, very uh, valuable source of nice things. Obviously, depending what the seaweed is, but it's very good for stuff. Do you know, here's a thing I learned, crikey Moses, I did not know this, that the British diet is deficient, generally, in iodine. The British diet is apparently deficient in it, but there's loads of it in seaweed, and we need that for proper thyroid function. Also, but if we you need eat too it, much, your thyroids go haywire, so don't have too much of it. We need it for nuclear war as well, don't we? Don't we all have, don't we all have to have iodine tablets for when the bomb is dropped? Oh, crikey, is that right? I think so. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's a thing. I don't think I've just made that up. Mm. Anyway. We need, so we need it for nuclear war anyway, we've established that. Oh, so yeah, just, yeah, yeah. We just eat seaweed, all fine. Which, actually, uh, brings me on to a thing we haven't talked about yet, which is right. the kind of lack of British appetite for this stuff. Because even though me and you have spent 25 minutes or whatnot now saying how brilliant this is and we know it's great for health and yada, 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 no one really eats it in Blighty or indeed lots of Europe, to be honest, not in any serious quantity. Um, and that is part of the reason why there's no meaningful industry. Like, you know, there's, there's breathless BBC articles about is seaweed production the future type thing? But actually, it's a tiny, tiny industry. Very few people yeah. doing it. Yeah. Uh, and one of the main reasons is there isn't much demand. Right. But there is a lot of demand in other places, right? So, that's, yeah, that's one reason. And then the other one being, like, it is a, quite an intensive thing to do to get loads of seaweed. Because it's mostly water, right? So you kind of have to turn it into something that isn't water. And that, you know, it requires big infrastructure and stuff. Big fans. Huge, big sort of hair dryers. Mm. 
We talked about we don't really eat much of it here and it's a bit of a faff, but it seems to me this is some amazing superfood. We haven't even talked about how it's an amazing fertiliser as, you know, again, hardly news. This is people inventing something that's been known for millennia, but, you know, Aboriginal people in Australia have been using seaweed as fertiliser for like 45,000 years. Like, this is not news, right? But um, it's great fertiliser, superfood, good for carbon absorption, um, generally brilliant at looking after fishies. So why don't we just cover every square inch of the UK coast in loads of kelp and stuff? Oh, well, I googled basically that mm. um, and didn't get a huge amount of answers. Things I did get include, uh, we, we don't have the kind of, I think you alluded to it already, like the infrastructure set up to do all of the making. And I guess part of the reason we don't have the infrastructure set up uh, to do all the making, including, as you rightly said, drying the thing out, because there is a lot of drying out that needs to be done, and a lot of processing to make it into like useful things. So uh, either directly for food that goes to restaurants and stuff, but also animal feed is a big thing. We haven't talked about that. It's a very, it's good, mm. good way of feeding animals if you want to feed animals. Um, well, I like, feed, I like, like feeding animals. Yes, okay, but you know what I mean. If you if, are if, you in favour of starving animals? If you take as your starting point that we have an industrial food system and it's going to continue, do you want that industrial food to be fed off of uh, dead rainforests or dead kelp? Uh, you can apparently do it uh, kelp, and I don't think we've mentioned this, um, but we certainly mentioned it on Babbles past. Uh, by putting a bit more seaweed in a cow's diet, you can dramatically reduce the amount it does burps and farts. Uh, mm. And that is very good for climate things because their burps and farts are full of methane, uh, which is bad. Yeah, 80%. 80%. You can reduce the methane in a cow's farts by 80% by feeding it some type of red seaweed. But it's apparently. not like it's, it, you're only replacing a tiny bit of its diet with seaweed. You don't have to replace the whole thing with seaweed. It's pretty... Impressive. It's pretty immense, yeah. So I think yeah. there's genuine... Um... Yep. Not answering the question, but yeah. No, okay. So, right, yeah. okay. So uh, not very good infrastructure for making the stuff. And related to all of that, no one really knows how much it costs to do all of this stuff. Uh, basically, there was one big report done for the Environment Ministry here in the UK about six years ago, so it's out of date, but essentially asking that question like, okay, so there were... <laughs> they did a web search in this report to try and find out how many companies were like making seaweed. Oh, and do, The babble method, do, fantastic. Do you want to... Do you want to know the answer in twenty sixteen? In twenty sixteen, how many companies were like producing seaweed or seaweed products? None. Twenty seven. Oh, twenty seven. That's, that's a bit more than I thought you were going to say. To be honest, yeah, it's not, not great, very big, is it? And I imagine that quite a few of those are, um, you know, Tony from Lowestoft who goes out every morning and picks up four strands of sargasso whatever you yeah, no, I mean, it tur turns it into two bars of soap and sells it in the market exactly they're literally there is a big BBC article about like a lone chef who was determined oh. to bring seaweed back to the UK palate and was like literally just going down at low tide and getting seaweed off rocks he counts um, anyway Yes. So what was I saying? Uh, not many businesses. Yes. Other things in the report, unknown costs, unknown yields. Like they don't really know. Ooh, playing the uh, unknown yields musical. What do you mean unknown yields? What do you mean? Well, if you you're if that? you're farming a thing and you, yeah. you need to know like how productive that thing is, right? Oh, what you mean if you go out and you get you can't control what seaweed does. It's not like no, exactly. a, you plonk it. It's not like a corn. So the way you farm it, right? As right. I understand it, 
part uh, is that you in your little lab this is seems to be increasingly how it's done you grow the tiny baby seaweed um sort of spores type things and you attach them to tiny bits of string like twine and stuff then what you do is you wrap that twine all the way around big ropes big big ropes long ropes that you then take out into the sea um usually not always the sea uh, and sink it or lower it down so it's out of the way of the waves and then you leave it for about eight months and it all those ropes then have seaweed growing on them and you get lots of seaweed you pull the ropes in you cut it off there's your seaweed um and so like any crop you need to know precisely how much you're going to get in order to know whether it's something you can make money off or not um so yeah. due to the industrialization of farming, I suppose. I suppose. Uh, so I suppose. Yeah. Yes. Uh, other things it's all are depre- fairly depressing, though, don't you think? Oh, that that's how we have to view the beautiful spontaneity of the natural world as a, a knowable yield or not. You think that's depressing? Well, do you want your seaweed burger or not? Excuse me, was that a thing? Your seaweed burger? Yeah, seaweed. Uh, the the where was it? The I think again. I think it's the Welsh. They have like patties, seaweed sort of patties. I suppose well, it's we've established they have, we established they have cow patties. Yeah, I think, I think they kind of squish those up and fry them as part of a <laughs> as part of a breakfast. And then the other thing, which seems to be quite a big factor, or certainly was in 2016, was that no one really knows what the rules are. <laughs> like, uh-huh. is, is there are rules for kind of farming shellfish, and is it that? Are they the same rules? Uh, there's questions about like ownership of because is it seabed which is technically owned by the crown or is it the coast which is technically owned by local authorities? It's all it's all a bit fuzzy, a bit, isn't it? A bit like, fuzzy, uh, one so, of the yeah. things I couldn't work out when I was looking at it is like if I go to a beach in Orkney and I take a truck and I pick up loads of seaweed, is that allowed? Like, am I allowed to? take it away and it seems to be the case that like no one's going to stop you per se but there is a point where regulatorily speaking you are taking the piss and no one could quite answer my question as to where that is are we done no is there anything you still want to say no because in answer to your question about why isn't there more farming uh, of this stuff in general and particularly in the UK um, it might be all our fault, Dave. It might be the fault the of people like you and me. Oh, everything's always our fault, yeah. Again, isn't it? Because uh, I was reading an article in The Ecologist from 12 years ago, but whatever. And it said that since it was announced that oil companies had an interest in harvesting seaweed to process for oils, the conservationist lobby has sought to have all areas of coastline protected. As a result, there is more interest in prohibiting aquaculture than in promoting it. So there Mm. you go. The moment we smelt an oil company, people like me and you went, oi, no, don't do it. But in fact, that may potentially have stopped it being bigger than it otherwise might have been. Although uh, another thing you put in here is that offshore wind farms might be a really good place to get more seaweed because yeah. like the uh, the uh, thing that you said, thing, foaming waves, uh, oxygenated water thing. What's the thing? <laughs> the thing is that uh, the best water for growing seaweed is in mm. places where it's rocky, uh, where lots of foamy oxygenated water in big waves um, and that is usually where they put offshore wind farms, apparently. Um, so, yeah, kind of stringing kelpie things between offshore wind farms is apparently a nice um, option. 
And you can imagine that would be quite a good way of like saving money on your boat trips. If you're going to go out and service your wind farm, you might as well harvest your kelp at the same time. So who knows? that is just about it for another episode of mastermind sorry babble mm. um feel like we didn't necessarily answer many questions in that episode but seaweed is complicated mm. oh. seaweed is complicated it's one of them things that there's nowhere near enough about that i can just go and nick authoritatively and write off as my own opinion uh, and it seems like it's a thing that like loads of people just haven't really thought about very much and so finding out about requires you piecing together a load of stuff that people don't seem to know much about and i know i'm denigrating the work of the aquaculture seaweed and you know fish community but there you are they should write more on the internet they should stop you know doing their farming and being in labs and stuff they should put more things in very short easy to understand articles Yes. Oi, if you know about seaweed, go to Wikipedia and sort out their seaweed page because it's shit. Right. Are we done? Yes, we are. Thank you all <laughs> for babbling uh, with us. Did we me, get caught and sort me? of lost in the weeds of that a little bit? Thank you. That's enough for babbling with me here about this. Uh, you can get in touch with us. You can tell us what you thought of the show. We are at wobbly, wobbly, wobbly. No, that's not it. That's our web address. Mm. We're on hello at sustainababble.fish. You'll find us on the internet, on the Facebook, at, at on Facebook at Sustainababble and on the Twitter oh. at the Babble, at the Babble Wagon on Twitter. Thank you to the legendary Dickie Moore for the music that starts, ends and intertwinkles this podcast and to the splendiferous Arthur Stovall for the logo, What Adorns It and Us and the t-shirts that you can purchase at wobbly, wobbly, wobbly dot sustainable babble.fish well done thanks okay uh, if you would like to give us money have you said that bit well, we can't say no. it enough times can you uh, go to patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash sustainable where you can donate the cost of a small seaweed size order from my Chinese takeaway um, obviously without um, scallops on the top because that, that would okay, be bad yeah. Uh, or caveat yes no, thank you everyone who gives us cash it's great it means we can do uh, the babble basically so keep doing it thank you very much and if you can't or won't do that please anyway please go to your podcast medium of choice by which we basically mean Apple Podcasts leave us a five star review please if you think it's worthy of one otherwise don't bother but do write a review with your hands because the words are good you can say what you like in that review just leave one please I'm off all. I expect you to come back next week having eaten loads of different types of seaweed and discovered for absolute sure which ones are the edible ones. Yes? Well, I might come back or I might not. Very good. Okay, bye. Bye. Hey, oh, 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 oh. Hey, oh, 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 oh. So close to when I can lie my little head down in bed. Hey, Just oh. this to get through. This is a joke that will be close to your heart because it's a joke that is generally told by children to adults. Why did the fish blush? Uh, because the seaweed. <laughs> I'm proud of myself. Okay. What I said, getting, remembering.